Hi, everyone. It's Carrie from All the Social Ladies, and I've got an offer just for you. Social Fresh has a conference coming up in September in Tampa, Florida. Social Fresh 2015. It is where the world's leading social marketers get inspired, and I'm so excited to be recording this podcast live from there this September. I'd love to invite you to join me. So head on over to socialfreshconference.com and use the special code ATSL for 50 additional dollars off your admission. It's an amazing conference. I was there last year, and I hope you'll join me this year and help record some All the Social Ladies podcasts. If you'd like to be a guest and record one of your social ladies tips, it would be a great time to come on down. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kirpin. Now, Carrie Kirpin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I am so psyched to be here with the wonderful Laura Powers. Laura Powers is the Director of Global Social Media Marketing at Cisco. With over 25 years of experience, Laura's career spans many facets of marketing, PR, and communications. We're going to hear all about that. In her current role, Laura has responsibility for executing the social media strategy across Cisco, including company-wide social policies and digital training programs, social campaigns, listening, social selling, and online communities. And as you know, Cisco is considered just a best in class in terms of social media. She's been recognized for building world-class social programs and leading a high-performing team that delivers award-winning campaigns, launches, and programs. And I can't wait to learn from her today. Welcome, Laura. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's so great. We're so excited to have you here. It's really great. And, um, you know, we've long admired uh, Cisco uh, strategy that you guys have had. And I know you have that incredible listening headquarters and all of these amazing things that we've seen out of Cisco. It's, it's just, it's so great to talk to you. It's great to be here, and and thank you. I think we're doing a lot of really exciting, interesting things at Cisco, and that's what makes it so much fun to work here. Awesome. So tell me, you know, I know you there was a Laura Powers before you joined Cisco, so I want to hear the whole story of how you got to where you are, just the story of your career, because I think our listeners have a lot to learn from you. Oh, wow. Uh, It takes me back a little bit (laughs) to go back to the early days. So originally, I I actually was an art major. And uh, so my journey was a little interesting in terms of how I got where I did. I, I took an internship working for a company called Nortel Networks when I was in college. And I ended up loving what I was doing so much there that I took a full time position at that company. Stayed there about 15 years, and it was fun because any time I got bored and I felt like I wasn't being challenged, there was always this new opportunity that I could seek out. So I had different positions within corporate communications, 
public relations, and ultimately product marketing. And when I was in product marketing, I was recruited by Cisco to come over and help them launch a new product that they were bringing into market. And that's what took me to Cisco. And I've been with Cisco for about 10 years now. So I just celebrated this summer, my 10-year anniversary. And Cisco is great. Um, This is where I started doing social media. And it was fantastic because about seven or eight years ago, I was in product marketing and we were thinking about, you know, how, how can we innovate? How can we better communicate with our customers and prospective customers? And we started noticing, you know, there's this thing called Twitter and there's this thing called Facebook and maybe we should be doing something with it, right? And so that's where it started. Uh, We were amongst the first people at uh, Cisco to be doing social media, and eventually uh, the rest of the company caught on, and we developed a corporate social media function as well. So, you know, it's just exciting because we were able to really change the way that we talked to our customers and change the way that we did marketing. We were able to take risks. And, you know, some things worked, some things didn't, um, but we were able to see what worked for us, what worked for our business, and be able to do things differently. And that's why I'm still energized by this position because, you know, we're constantly on the edge, constantly doing things new and different. And that's what keeps it exciting and interesting to me. Laura, I loved all of that. And I have a million questions. So (laughs) before we go to Cisco, so I'm basically setting an agenda right now. Before we go to Cisco, I'm very interested in the fact that you stayed at two companies for a very long period of time, which is a big difference between what today's generation and a lot of our younger listeners are currently doing. There's basically like a, you know, you're here two years, you go somewhere else, you go, you, you move, you move, you move. Did you see a tremendous benefit for your career in doing that? And do you recommend growing within a company? I think there are pros and cons to each approach. Um, For me, because I was in such a large company, any time, like I said, when I I got bored or I felt like I wasn't being challenged and not growing enough, there was always a terrific opportunity just ahead for me at that company. So I didn't really have to look outside at another organization because there was a great opportunity. And I think the benefits of staying at a company is – you are able to expand out your reach of contacts, your reach of influence. You have built up a reputation. Uh, people know you. They know your work. And you're really able to get to the next level easily because of that. Uh, and, and so for me, it, it worked, right? Um, but I've also seen other people that have uh, left companies like Cisco, and they've gone to work for uh, smaller startups, and they stay a couple of years and and move around. I think the benefits there, you get the uh, diversity, right, of going to different places, and you learn from different environments. Um, So I, I think it's really what is best for the individual. What works for me may not work for someone else, mm-hmm. right? What challenges me may not challenge another person. Um, so for me, it, it worked. I think there were a lot of benefits. Now, if I had gotten stalled in my career or felt like there wasn't an opportunity for me to continue to grow and move up and progress, 
I would have looked to go somewhere else, but I've just always had that opportunity. And you continue to build relationships. You continue to build the scope of your experience and your network internally. And uh, it's just been a great opportunity for me. And it's continued to be exciting, even though it's with the same company. I love that. I really, really do. And in terms of Cisco, so you were there really at the inception of social for Cisco. That, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And so what was the original reasoning behind, I mean, it's a huge, huge company. So for in order for corporate to kind of get behind this, what was the original intent of getting onto social for Cisco? Well, and it wasn't even at at the corporate level where it started. It started as grassroots efforts within product marketing. Wow. And so within my team, we were lucky because we had management that got it. They were actually quite supportive of us going in this direction. And the reason why we did it is at Cisco, you know, 80% of our business is done through partners. So in many cases, we didn't have a direct relationship with our customers and with prospective customers. And being able to get out into social media would allow us to develop better relationships with our customers, and it would allow them to talk to experts within Cisco and get advice. One of the first things that we did, you know, obviously we were out on Twitter and Facebook at the time, but we also wanted to create our own Uh, social media communities where people could come and talk to our experts and talk to each other. And, you know, these communities are still around. We have, you know, about one and a half million visitors that come to them every year. And they're just a a tremendous opportunity for people to engage not only with each other, but with us and our experts. And that's where it started. It it really just started within the marketing organizations and, and just little grassroots efforts that started up. And then once we started to really see success, that is when corporate started to pay attention. And ultimately, we created a corporate social media function that then developed the social media policies, the training. They put together um, consistent platforms in place for all of the marketing teams to leverage. And that's really how it was born and how it progressed in the early days. So is that considered like, would you, do you call that a digital center of excellence where you are? Yes, we actually do have, a, we call it digital strategy and enablement. And that's the organization of which I am a part. And so it's a digital center of excellence. And then my team within that is a social media center of excellence. And you mentioned a lot uh, early on about at Cisco, you were able to learn with social and experiment and see what worked and what didn't work. Can you give me some examples of what types of things work? I know you talked about the support communities, which are amazing. And what types of things didn't work as well? What did you learn along the way? Oh, boy. One thing that I remember back in the early days that didn't work for us, uh, those were tweet ups which I think we were maybe just, we tried doing them a little too early for our audience. So um, we, we have tremendous success now at some of our large user conference events, but there were things like that. I think you have to make sure that, uh, that your audience is ready for what you're doing. 
And so we have to look at our audience is, you know, we're business to business, not business to consumer. So sometimes it takes things a little bit longer in our line of business to catch on. So you have to to kind of, you know, watch and see. And like I said, take risks, right? Sometimes things are going to work. Sometimes things won't. And sometimes, like even the tweet up, it didn't work initially for us, but as people within the business world became more comfortable with it and understood it better than later it did work. So sometimes it's even trying things again, right? Absolutely. So uh, that's just a, you know, kind of a simple example of, of something that didn't work for us. But things that did work, uh, obviously, um, social media campaigns integrated with our larger marketing campaigns, uh, those have worked quite well for us. The communities have worked uh, really well. And something that we have been focusing on uh, really over the last, I would say, year and a half that we're starting to see a lot of traction in our line of business is uh, revenue marketing with social. Mm. So a lot of the time you think that social really is just out there for awareness and preference, especially in the B2B environment. But for us, we really wanted to drive the value of social deeper into the marketing funnel. And we're starting to see a, a tremendous amount of success in some of those types of programs, programs like social selling, where we're working hand in hand with our sales teams to basically transform the way that they sell to our customers. And I think in a couple of years, we're not even going to call it social selling anymore. It will just be the way that we sell. Amazing. The way we, you know, communicate with our customers, our clients and our prospects, a lot of that will be done via digital communications. So things like that, uh, listening for leads is something else that we've been doing where, you know, many companies listen, they listen for, um, you know, negative comments or ways that they can help, ways they can answer questions about specific products or things that the company is doing. But for us, we also wanted to listen for opportunities where people are signaling purchase intent. Maybe they're saying, should I purchase this or that? Or what do you know about this product because I have an opportunity? And we're actually going out and listening specifically for those types of opportunities. And then we have a social agent that will respond and provide more information and ultimately convert those individuals over into leads for Cisco. We're seeing a tremendous amount of success there as well. That's amazing. So it sounds like in those areas, you're actually measuring by revenue or by leads. Mm -hmm. In terms of the company as a whole, do the metrics that matter vary by product or does it all kind of come back to the same overarching goals? We really are trying to standardize our metrics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So whereas in some areas of the business, there may be some variance, but for the most part, the metrics that matter, we have standardized. So we're tracking really in three categories, uh, reputation, demand gen, and enablement. So for reputation, we're really looking at, are we moving the needle forward with awareness and preference? So the metrics that matter for us there are impressions, reach, uh, unique visitors, like the visitors that are coming into our communities, the Mm -hmm. visitors that are coming to our blogs, and for digital, obviously, the visitors that are coming to our website. Uh, engagement is extremely important to us because it's one thing for somebody to have the opportunity to see your content, but what we want to make sure is that they're not only seeing that content, but they're interacting with it in some way that it's actually compelling enough 
for them to engage with us, whether it's clicking to go to the next step in the journey or it's sharing or commenting. We want that engagement. So that is a really a key metric that we rally around across all areas of our business. Uh, advocacy is very important for us as well. So we look at the reach and the engagement that's being created with our internal advocates and our external advocates. And then for demand gen, it's about the reach, response, and uh, ultimately the revenue that we generate with our social programs. And enablement is about uh, our digital training programs and the consumption mm. of that training. We actually have certification uh, levels of certification that we offer through our digital training programs. So we're looking at how many people have completed those certifications. And then not only completed the training, but how many of those individuals have gone to the next step and actually become ambassadors or advocates for the Cisco brand. And, you know, whether it's creating a blog or participating in the communities or, you know, having their own Twitter account or Facebook account or something like that, making sure that they're actually uh, not only getting the knowledge, but putting it into practice. So it's incredibly well established in terms of really standardizing what you're looking to do. How did it get from a point where you were doing grassroots on a product marketing basis to growing into this, how long did that take? From where, How long ago was it when you first started? Yeah, I would say it's probably been about seven to eight years now wow. for us to, to develop. And I would say, you know, one of the things that Cisco, it was probably the best thing that Cisco's ever done as it relates to social media, is that they invested in this area. Yep. And they took it seriously. And I think we're fortunate because I talked to a lot of companies and we exchange best practices. And, and a challenge that I still see that many companies have is that their executives don't get it, right. right? And they're still trying to sell the value of social media. And it's a huge challenge because I get that all the time. How did you, uh, you know, push past those barriers? We were lucky from the beginning in the fact that we had some very key executives that understood it and got it. And, um, and we used and leveraged those individuals as proponents of social media, and they were able to get other uh, people on board as well. And so Cisco was really heavily invested in this area. They think it's important. Cisco uh, understands that we have to be a, a digital business. We have to be social. And uh, we've been very fortunate to have that executive support and that investment. And it's allowed us to really develop a very robust social and digital program. And you mentioned, you know, the challenges of some other companies not being senior buy-in and really executive leadership buy-in and into social. What would you say if you're looking at Cisco, you're taking kind of a bird's eye view of it, uh, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges facing Cisco today in social? Oh, one of our business, one of our biggest challenges, and I think we share this with a lot of other companies, is measuring that ROI, right? Mm -hmm. So I talked about standardizing the metrics. I talked about our revenue generating programs. But one of the challenges we still have, uh, because um, our sales are, are very complex. As I mentioned, uh, a majority of them go through partners, and we are B2B and our buying cycles are very long. Sometimes it can be, you know, six to eight months before we see a sales a sale come through. And there are going to be multiple touch points as someone is working that deal. It may be social, it may be a web campaign, it may be an email campaign. And how do you attribute 
uh, each touch method and and how much of a contribution each one of those touch methods had along the customer journey. And that's been a big challenge for us Mm. is really getting that visibility. What is the best combination? Is it social with an email campaign? Is it social with a webcast? Is it social going straight to the web page, right? What's the best combination to convert a customer over or what gives you the fastest conversion rate? That data, we're working on getting it. And we're getting closer, which is really exciting. Uh, We actually just had some preliminary information given to us from a big data project that the team is working on. And we're starting to be able to see some of that information, but it it's taken us quite a while, you know, many months to be able to get to this point, and we're still working to get the data that we need. And, and I would say that's really one of the biggest challenges for us is to be able to show it from the beginning all the way to the end and really prove that ROI that social is driving. It's so interesting that you say that because I think for smaller businesses, in a way, it's almost easier because they're not yes. doing very many other things. Like, okay, if they're only using social, then they can isolate and say, okay, we know where this business is coming from. But with a behemoth like Cisco, you really have to figure out like where something is attributed in that way with all of the things you have going on. I would imagine that would be a big challenge. Exactly. And multiple databases, different data yes. lives in each yes. database. And how do you pull all of that together? So for us, data has been very important. We've got uh, a big data project that we're working on to be able to pull together all of the information that we have about our customers in the various uh, databases and then pull together what we know about them from digital and social to really get a 360-degree a view of that customer. Whereas in smaller organizations, I think they have that because the data doesn't live in so many different places. But for us, that's been a big challenge. No wonder you never get bored and you're there for so long because <laughs> it's know, totally fascinating. Stuff. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Now, you were, you've worked in marketing, obviously, a long time. We talked about you had over 25 years of experience. So you were working um, in marketing as a whole prior to social kind of being a thing, right? Yes. Okay. So then social comes along and you have to adapt to that. Was that an easy transition for you or a difficult transition? And how did you learn? You seem to really love it. How did you learn to really love and embrace that? Is it just, do you think it was your personality type that just was like, okay, I'm inherently social and can get it? Or what happened there? Because I know for many, certainly even for me, starting before the advent of social, uh, there was a transition. For me, it was just there. Mm-hmm. I I gravitated towards it, uh, and so I guess I'm just inherently social. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah, I just I loved it from the beginning. I found it fascinating, and and so I personally didn't really have to make you know, to have a difficult journey to get there. I think because I had been doing marketing for so long, it was so interesting to me that there was this whole new vehicle to communicate with your customers in a completely different way and to break out of the molds of what you've done for so long in marketing. So I think it just went well with my personality of, you know, it's something new, it's exciting, and it's really a direct connection to your customers. I love that. I love being able to interact with people 
one-on-one to build a relationship. I'm genuinely interested in what people do and how they do it. And so it was a natural for me. And and I was interested in kind of the technology side of it as well. You know, how do communities work? How do these applications work? So uh, it's just something that's always kind of fascinated me. And so it was an easy transition for me to make. See, I think maybe it had to do also with loving art and being an art student too. It's like, if you think about it, there's the social media, there's such a creative element in it too. And it's Mm -hmm. the mix of like the science of marketing with the art of social. It's a very, very cool. I love it. I love that you just like jumped right in and, and got there on it. It's amazing. So, okay. So we know about you and social now that you are fully, you know, working as the global social media director of global social media marketing at Cisco. Do you find it difficult to shut off? Is it, is it hard to turn off or do you just never want to? Is it I never turn it off. You never turn it off. Well, I was saying, I think I'm just social because I do. I love it. And so you would probably think that with me doing social all day, I would get tired of it, right? And just want to walk away. But no, what's the first thing I do when I quit working? I'm I'm on Facebook seeing what everyone's doing, right? And connecting. I, I just, you know, I'm genuinely interested in people and what they do. And I love making new friends and building new relationships. So uh, the difference, I will say, between what I do at work and what do I do in my personal life is I'm talking about different things. So I will shut off talking about technology right. for the most part, and I will talk about other interests that I have in my life and other things that I'm doing. So that's the switch that I flip, but I don't turn it off. I, can, I continue to be social even in my personal life. Oh, you are so much fun. I absolutely love it. <laughs> all right. So I guarantee you this is going to be a fun game because I can tell already from listening to you. So we are okay. going to play the exciting game, likable versus loathable. All right. Basically, I'm going to tell you something that's happening in social media, and you are going to tell me whether it is likable or whether it is loathable. Are oh, you ready? Okay. I am ready. You feel ready? I, I think so. I think I can do it. <laughs> okay. How do you feel about selfies? Oh, likable. <laughs> me too. Me too. I can't help it. So you're a social person. It happens. I know. You, you have feel... to. See, okay. So, so selfies, okay. How do you feel about selfie sticks? Oh, um. I love it. I like that. I, I actually know, I have to like them. Uh, you know, we were on a, it just made me think of a ski trip that we did. And we were so bored on the ski lift waiting to get up to the top. And we pull out a selfie stick and we got the best pictures with it. So I have to say likable. Likable. Okay. How do you feel about real-time marketing? Uh, likable. Definitely. Have you guys yeah. used it uh, successfully at Cisco? Yes. Uh, you know, I, I think you have to be, right? Yeah. You have to know what people are talking about and you have to know how to insert yourself in a relevant way, right? You've got to talk about what people care about. And how do you feel about long hashtags? Hashtag long hair don't care. La, 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 la. Loathable. Loathable. Good. I knew I had to get you on a loathable somewhere. Yeah. So I figured, okay, she won't like long hashtags. Yeah, you totally got me on that one. Like oh, here's an interesting one for Cisco in particular. Uh, live streaming. So like the Periscope, Meerkat movement, et cetera. Uh, likable. It's another likable. Yeah. We've actually found quite a bit of success with Periscope. We've been having quite a bit of fun with it. So what are you doing with it? Give us an example of that. I'll give you two examples. One, we do what we call uh, Cisco Chats, and these are 
various forms of chats about, you know, it can be any topic. It can be women in technology or it might might be a specific technology uh, in our area of the business. And it can be a tweet chat. It could be a Google Plus Hangout. And we've actually been using Periscope uh, to show sort of the behind the scenes and what's happening while we are conducting those chats. And people really love to see what's going on and be able to see us. The other way we've used it, which is a little non-traditional, is I have employees that are spread out across the country. And so we we do things sometimes in San Jose. That's where the majority of our marketing people are. And we did a fundraiser called Stuck for a Buck. And they actually duct taped all of the directors to a wall to raise money. So people would buy, you know, they would donate money to get duct tape to actually take bus to the wall. And so, you know, we've got people spread out across the country that want to participate. So how could we allow them to participate in this and see what was happening, we did it all through Periscope. So we had all of our employees participating and liking and doing all the hearts and all of that, and they were able to be part of the fun, even though they weren't there. And it was so great to use it for business, but also for team building internally. I absolutely love that. Love that. Okay. How about Vine? Likeable, loathable? Ooh, uh, I will say likable. Likeable, right? But yeah. you probably don't use it tremendously for Cisco because I would think it's like not really as much of a B2B play. We use it a bit. It depends on what area of our business. Mm-hmm. Um, but but we do, we've had, we've actually had some success with it and we see pretty good engagement rates with Vine. Oh, I'm very yeah, short, impressed. Short form video. Uh, our audiences like it. You know, we'll do it a lot more on Instagram, yes. but in some areas of our business, we, we actually uh, put those out on Vine too. Fabulous. Love that. Okay. And finally, last question. Grumpy cat, likable or loathable? <laughs> Sorry, I have to say loathable. <laughs> you, I know so many people love it, but oh, it drives me crazy. Well, I'm, I'm a dog person too, so. <laughs> uh, big dog person, so grumpy. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So Laura, tell me where people should follow you and where are the best places to check out some of the great work that Cisco's doing? Yes. So they can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at PowersLA. So that's P-O-W-E-R-S-L-A. They can also find me on LinkedIn easily. And in terms of finding out what we're doing uh, in with Cisco and social, you can go to our blogs, .cisco.com, and you can find our social media blog. We always talk about our best practices. You can also visit cisco.com, and you can learn. We actually have some of our training classes that are online. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so they can go to the site, and they can find that there and get more information about us and what we're doing, both of those sites. Well, Laura, I'm going to declare it now. You are one awesome social lady. Thank you oh, so thank you. much for giving us your time and telling us you know, a lot of inf- great information about Cisco and what's happening there and just overall kind of really smart career advice. I love it. Thanks so much. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, Sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com.
This week's episode is brought to you by the Social Fresh Conference. You can visit them at socialfreshconference.com and book your ticket today. Social Fresh's conference is where the world's leading social marketers get inspired. And today I have a special offer for you to save $50. The code to enter is ATSL. That's ATSL as in all the social ladies. I'll be down there recording live and I look forward to seeing you. It's a killer conference.